Hello, it's time to chat with me, Rose. And me, Kamea. On this show, we have courageous conversations that illuminate shared experiences related to food and gender. We are here to help folks digest their relationship to food. In today's episode, we talk about a woman's place. Is a domestic kitchen really her domain? Hello, Kamea. Welcome to episode four. Thank you. Thank you. How was your week? It's been good. I feel like I am finally sinking into the reality of having a podcast and like telling more people about it. And I don't know if this is happening for you, but one thing that's been coming up for me um, when I'm explaining it is people keep getting confused about why we're really adamant about it being a feminist food podcast and not just a food podcast. Does that make sense to you? Like, is that coming up for you? It does. It does. Like, people have asked me, like, oh my gosh, you have a podcast. What's it about? And I'm like, well, me and my friend and most people that know me know at least about you or who you are and some of them follow you on Instagram. My reputation proceeds me. A little bit, but immediately as soon as I just say, oh, my friend Kamei and I have this podcast we've been working on, pretty much what I get met with immediately is like, oh my gosh, you're, that's so cool. You guys are doing this cooking podcast. You must be sharing recipes and talking about basically all things physically cooking. And I'm like, it's kind of an awkward moment because I like have to correct them and be like, well, kind of but also there's this whole other aspect that we're talking about and I've found through just doing this podcast with you that the word patriarchy is really uncomfortable for people I guess in general I find that really interesting because it's our reality but um yeah I think even feminism the word feminism can scare people I think a lot of people in our generation look at the word feminist or identifying as a feminist as like oh you hate all men you I've heard this before like women want special treatment which is like literally so far (laughs) from what feminism is um but yeah I think overall this podcast every time we've had all these conversations we've talked about a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this show in just our our lives our friendship just us hanging out And it always comes back to the patriarchy. So we're not the only ones that feel that way. We're not the only ones that think that. So we want to share it with everybody. And food is such a light in our lives, a hobby, a joy, a just sense of therapy for both of us. Cooking at home and providing and creating things creatively or nutritionally. And... It is really complicated when you bring the patriarchy into it because it is. The history of women in the kitchen is really uncomfortable. The feminist aspect of it, even just being a feminist, I've only more recently gotten comfortable with the term Mm -hmm. feminist and being like, no, I'm a feminist. Like, I mean, if you would press me on it, I would have said, yeah, I'm a feminist. I I was raised by a single mom. I've got three sisters. I remember when we met as young teenagers and I had, I think I've said this before, but you were the first person that I met that was my age that was like a quote, strong feminist woman. 
And I had just started kind of understanding what that was and like exploring the idea of that. And I remember me and you had had this conversation at one point and it stuck with me for a really long time. And I remember like, well, my friend Kamea, this is what she says. <laughs> and I started like copying you and being like, this is what I am is I'm not a feminist. I'm an equalist. Because you were did like, you did. <laughs> I got right. quite a few times and you were like, you were just very adamant that I believe in equality for all. And that like was like a light bulb moment for me as a young woman being like, holy shit. Like exactly like because because feminism can be ripped apart and made into something that it's not. But in reality, that's what feminism is. It's equality for all. And same thing. It took me a long time now that I'm coming into my 30s that yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to say I'm a goddamn feminist yeah, and don't be fucking afraid of me. That is yeah. about smashing the patriarchy. Well, yeah. that's not in our tagline. It's more just like the reality of living with the fact that there yes. is a patriarchy. That is our daily life. That's where we're at. I'd like to smash it. Maybe one day we'll get the privilege to do so, but uh, we'll see. Maybe. But maybe. yeah, that's that was that's my memory of you as very early friendship. <laughs> and it blew my fucking mind converted you to the dark side of <laughs> equality of, of a quality <laughs> good heavens god forbid oh boy but yeah i mean we've only grown more we've only grown more into being ourselves and mm-hmm. being more feminist and being more comfortable with not only embodying that but starting a podcast where we're like no that's a that is a pillar of what we talk about we're not gonna talk about the patriarchy every day but we're gonna acknowledge its influence on our experience mm-hmm. pretty much every day because i run pretty into much every it day. every fucking day and yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a contrast when i'm also very attracted to uh very domestic hobbies i love homemaking i love home canning i love decorating i love cooking i love cooking from scratch these are things that are a hobby of mine and part of that is by necessity and my life is very much designed around <laughs> you love taking care of people too that's a oh, big a part of who you are huge nurturer i'm a yeah. cancer mm-hmm. for any astrologist out there i'm a, <laughs> I'm a big cancer <laughs> she is a cancer to the t man looking for people all the time it's my solution to everything something's wrong i'm like do you need a cup of tea do you want me to make you some soup i can make you some soup and it'll be very good soup too, by the way i can be a little bit more like i don't know angsty than you are <laughs> but i definitely such an, Aquarius. such an aquarian for all of those people if anyone's curious about my sign um but yeah same thing like i love to host people i love to have parties and gatherings and like have people around which i haven't done in a long time because of the pandemic but um i definitely it's my love language with my partner like i love to cook to food and I'm very much that person that's like, is it good? Do you like it? What do you need? Do you want more like sauce? Do you want more salt? What do you need? Like, let me like fix it for you. But I think even in my job, like a lot of people, there's a, there's a ton of psychology on restaurant workers and that they are typically caregiving type of people that even if you're not thanked for it, you still want to do it and you still want to provide for people. So I think 
that's huge in my character. It makes me feel really conflicted because I am such a passionate feminist woman where I'm like, I'm not going to fucking make you a sandwich. Cook it your fucking self. But at the same time, if you ask me to make you a sandwich, I will make you a sandwich. It'll be a goddamn good sandwich. Like, <laughs> and I will the go. Best sandwich of your life. Yeah, I'll go like above and beyond to make that sandwich. So I don't know. It's conflicting because the the term a woman's place is in the kitchen is a really oppressive thing in history and confining a woman into that space is really oppressive so it like in a way I want to reject it but clearly I haven't because it's my job (laughs) I went to school for it but it's I don't know I have complicated feelings about it is it oppressive I think definitely in certain scenarios, I think in certain households, possibly. I don't find that because I very much own it. Like you said, it's my hobby. It's my love language. It's what brings me like therapy. Um, When I feel I need a sense of control, I usually go to the kitchen and do something. For me personally, I don't think it is for myself, but I I don't feel like I can speak in general terms. For myself, it's not oppressive. It's very expressive. <laughs> ha ha ha. <laughs> <That was cute>. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but I'm not going to say that like a woman in the kitchen today is is not oppressive because I think there's definitely dynamics and households out there where it kind of is. And I mean, I don't, I don't think I can go down the list of people I know that feel that way. I don't know. I can't speak for them. Well, that, but that's the conversation, right? right? You have different different attitudes and also different social structures that create the situation where women were very tied to the kitchen in this very oppressive manner of servitude. And, you know, I'm given my own experience, I'm explicitly just speaking from a white woman's perspective and there is in a deeper conversation to be had about how... Um, women of color's experience mm-hmm. with the kitchen like but today just thinking about more of the white woman's experience in the kitchen you have the narrative of like oh this is the hearth of the home and it's more of a sacred space and for some people they have created that like this home this hearth that I maintain brings medicine to me and my community and my family and this is a part of my work but in other systems that have been set up and in other um, family households, it is very much you are here to serve the man. This is your duty. And, you know, at the I like to call it the feminist women's rights movement, but we're still working through a lot of shit, um, you know, back in the. 1970s um i was reading this article uh by rosie boycott she launched this feminist magazine called spare rib in 1970 and when her and her comrades put this together one of their things was like we're not going to include anything related to cooking or the kitchen because it's it's tying women down women are trying to go to work women are trying to like get other shit done we're done with this 1950s idea 
of like cooking all these scratch made meals all the fucking time it takes so much work like you were giving me that pot roast recipe earlier mm-hmm. of like it's gotta if you're eating at six it's gotta go in at 11 a.m and i'm like okay is that a lot of passive cooking time or just like <laughs> like what's happening <laughs> you gotta be on your shit low and low baby <laughs> slow and low (laughs) no but can you imagine though also getting the kids off to school like i don't know all of those things i don't know what the 50s was like but it seems like a lot but one of the things that really stood out to me about this particular article that i read in the guardian which i'll link in the show notes was twofold this was a reflection article that was blaming feminism for pulling women away from the kitchen and therefore people having more unhealthy diets and increasing like how much convenience food people were having like it was ultimately the women's fault because the feminist movement convinced women that like this is holding you down girl if you want to go get your dreams you need to move away from the kitchen and go after what you want but that was actually really harmful. So in reflection on the work that those women were doing, we can actually blame the feminists for the fact that we don't know how to cook. We don't have the same like actual healthy meals. And there was another, <laughs> there was one article that I read about how um, feminists <laughs> had threatened democracy itself. <laughs> by ruining the family dinner what can you imagine it wasn't like the funny thing is is the reality is that feminism is supposed to be do whatever the fuck you want like if you want to chase your dreams chase your fucking dreams if you want to cook a delicious meal for your family cook a fucking delicious meal like what maybe just maybe more women than you expected article writer human Maybe you didn't expect a plethora of women to be like, actually, I want to become a dancer. I want to become a fucking scientist. I want to become a doctor. I want to become a, I don't know, mechanic, a chef, a farmer. I don't know. You sound like a threat to democracy. I guess I am. That's redonkulous. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? I can't even believe that. Well, okay. So one of the things about what I was getting to is when they were promoting this magazine when it was getting off the ground they had promotional materials very much like our podcast stickers but one of the things that they did was they had these kitchen towels made with this quote printed on him you're gonna love this the kitchen towels said first you sink into his arms and then your arms end up in his sink wait and this is in the 70s mm-hmm. i I, I like it, but there's something, I don't know, there's something that feels weird about it. I like it because, I think I like it because there's like that string of truth in the era of the 50s, the 60s. I mean, I would say there's an era of truth. Even now. Now for a lot of people. For a lot of people, but, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. Um, and if that feels good and comfortable and you're safe and supported. Um, but... I guess, like, the way my brain is, like, is that at the same time? Are you, like, sinking into his arms and then your arms just, like, pop out from behind him into a sink? Like, <laughs> like is that what's happening? But there's porn for everything. There's Rose. porn for everything. Maybe we should check it out. I don't know. <laughs> and now all of our listeners think we should watch porn together. 
Fuck them. Maybe we do. (laughs) It's none of their goddamn business. (laughs) But I think more importantly, I mean, yeah, it's funny and it's cheeky and I can totally see picking it up in a gift shop and maybe even like gifting it to my sister like Mm -hmm. funny haha. But there's a funny haha because it is putting words to a broader social pressure that we don't really talk about that we're supposed to pretend that we've moved past do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i suppose like I we're not supposed to we're so progressive the women's rights movement happened we're so much better than we were totally yeah, but there's a lot of pressures on women to just be really good moms and like I just feel like it's overall bullshit because I feel like even now in modern days just me and you, we've talked about the pressures that we feel and just like the weird dynamics of our own individual households. Weird, but also like I feel pretty lucky in my household and I think you probably feel roughly the same, especially with social media and everybody putting everything online and like it's hard not to compare to what you see other people post about because there's so much pressure on women to be married to have babies and then when you have kids you better be cooking from scratch and cooking super healthy and they also better just love your food because you're just that badass of a mom and that's not always reality like you can most most people work so you have to go to work you have to pay your bills, come home, do your second shift of the day, clean, cook, do the laundry, help your kids with homework, be there emotionally for your partner at the end of their day. And then there's still complaints. There's still kids that don't like broccoli or husbands that don't like, I don't know, spinach. I don't know. In your, in your household, what does what your partner like dislike when you make? for me the one that comes up is I love cooking with fresh herbs Mm. especially when they're like fresh from the garden or fresh from the farm and I'll like put a whole bunch like a bundle of dill like I'll chop it up but like I'll do like a dill centered salad when dill's like in its prime I'm just like all about it or like so good parsley which is like so good for you very very high in vitamin c and really helps me fight utis and yes it's a great winter nutritive herb very cleansing great for digestion fucking love parsley it's one of my favorite herbs it's so underrated and it's very versatile Mm -hmm. but i'll put like chunks of parsley in something and he's like there's like a whole tree in here and like when I have the energy, I'm like, yeah, he's probably not gonna like this very much, but I'll just, I'm just gonna do it, right? And if he doesn't like it, he'll find something else. He's a grown ass man. Or you can just pick the leaves of parsley out, and that's totally okay, and that's fine too, totally fine. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's probably the main one. And then also, I can just be really creative, and so sometimes I knock it out of the park, and sometimes I'm like, eh, that was a little weird. But I learned something, and that mm-hmm. one's not going on my Instagram feed. <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> recommending this to someone else, but I wanted to try it. I think that's really important, though, in the kitchen is to, like, cook without fear and just throw things together and experiment because you don't know unless you try. And worse comes to worst, it's not very good. And hopefully you can create something else with it as leftovers and make something fun out of it. But 
I think for me, the biggest like difficulty I have in my household is, well, one, I don't have children, so bless on that. Thank God. Cause that would be a whole different conversation, but, um, my partner gets really bored when I make the same things like too similar back to back. Um, especially if it's like, oh, we've had soup a lot or a lot of pasta. He's very like, he likes a variety in his nutrients. So <laughs> it's very much like we've had a lot of pasta this week. Like, could we just do a salad? But sometimes I have those weeks where I want a lot of pasta and I'm, that's just what I'm craving and I'm cooking. And if you want to make something, you're totally welcome to do so. But I'm in the kitchen right now. And if you want to partake in the meal, that's fine. But, um, it's funny overall though, I would, I'm pretty grateful he's not crazy picky, but there's definitely things he doesn't like, like the same things over and over again. He needs a a big variety and healthy-ish foods. When I get too into my casseroles and my frozen foods, he complains. Yeah. It's always the opinions, right? Mm-hmm. They're so opinionated. And, um, you know, you can do the best that you can, but then somebody's always got to have a goddamn opinion. And so it creates a situation like expanding it outside of us. I've heard from so many women where they literally can't tell you what their favorite food is or what they want because their brain is filtering through all of the needs of the people they're taking care of in terms of their emotional and tasting needs they have to filter through all of that before they decide what's for dinner and then you wonder why they're so fucking exhausted or why they just have four meals that they work but yeah that they just run through but you know if you just plan for it just like go through your whole meal plan and it's like if you like if you really got your shit together then you're gonna like just make your plan and then you're gonna stick to it and like and that's if everything goes well yeah and you don't forget the croutons in the oven or you got everything on the shopping list yeah exactly or you delegated the shopping list and it all came back correctly or you didn't drop the carton of eggs when you walked in the door and now you you know have you ever actually done that um actually i haven't i have not to place blame on other people but <laughs> i have had uh, my grocery bags packed improperly and they have smashed on the way home once farming I was collecting eggs and I was in a hurry and I dropped eggs in front of one of the chickens and she started screaming and then I sit just felt like <laughs> the worst <laughs> oh my god ever I almost cried I was gonna say how did you I not cry know what to do like do I bury it? do I scoop it up do I leave it are you guys gonna eat it I don't know how I feel about that it was it was an emotional time that's I mean, a traumatic experience. Anyway, I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I just feel like I have so much respect for mothers because not just like mothers of infants that have to do all of the things that I do every day, plus have a baby attached to their body, cannot imagine even also those elementary school, you know, high school, middle school the older they get, the more opinions they have. It would be hard to take that criticism every single day. 
I mean, it would be hard, and I think it is hard. Like I mentioned, my partner has a lot of opinions about mm-hmm. what I cook and how I cook, and and I'm in a very loving and supportive environment. Yeah. It's just it's more of a it's like a discussion. E- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it really is just opinion. Like, oh, are you really going to do it that way? Like, why are you doing it that way? Mm-hmm. And like, why are you making pasta again? Or what? Like, okay, well. It's just, it's really complicated and we can pretend it's something that used to happen as women tried to like move away from the kitchen and be like, no, I have other shit to do Mm -hmm. and I do not have time for the amount of time that we have this imagination in terms of how much energy goes into the kitchen. Like if you really are, you work in a restaurant, you make your own sauces and condiments and like really prep everything from scratch like there is a whole preparation crew Mm -hmm. before you're actually making serving the food to the customer food and i read this one article that did like a literature review of reddit comments Ooh, um good old reddit good old reddit um from men seeking advice as to why women wouldn't cook for them (laughs) (laughs) and there was this one man who's just like i don't understand like i live alone i'm single you know i'm like 30 something and my neighbor like she's always just making these food this food that just like smells amazing and so you know, I got this idea that I would go ask her to cook for me sometimes and I could I could pay her to cook for me. And then she said no. And I like I didn't know what to do with that. So I offered her more money. And she still said no. Dear God. And so then he went to Reddit and was like, why? Like, am I the asshole here? Like, I don't yes, understand. Yes, you are the asshole. I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't she just take the money and serve me? You can't buy women, jackass. You can't do that. That's not what... Uh, that annoys me so much. She has a life. She has a fucking thing in her life that she does. She doesn't have time for you. Why would she have time for you? You're nothing to her. Yeah. You're literally a maggot. <laughs> in the food that she threw away. But it's also like the condition. If I'm going to try to try to be empathetic... It's men being conditioned that women are there to serve you and women are there to provide for you. They're there to meet your needs. And I think that also right there is the patriarchy. Even though you're a jackass, you're also a victim of the patriarchy. (laughs) That doesn't teach you how to basically fend for yourself. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't teach us how to change a tire like i have no idea how to use a chainsaw i have no idea how to use i know enough to be dangerous i could turn on a chainsaw and then be a little bit intimidated i could make it work i don't even i hardly even know the fucking names like i don't know a a bandsaw what's a bandsaw um i know that i you can use it in a butcher shop and i only know that because of my culinary degree interesting i don't like if someone threw like i can't tell you what the names of different wrenches are and I don't know. It's it's super foreign and it makes me really uncomfortable when I have to ask for help with it. And I feel like anytime I'm in a public environment, this came up um, 
last summer when the restaurant that I work at, we were building an outdoor area because of COVID and outdoor seating, blah, blah, blah. And I was putting up lights and I had to use a like electric drill to put hooks in to hook my pretty lights to make the ambiance prettier. And I have a ladder out there and all my screws that I'm doing my thing. And the amount of men in one day. So I work downtown. So it's a high traffic flow. Tons of different types of people. The amount of dudes that would literally stop and not just stare and then walk away, which is already uncomfortable because I barely feel like I know what I'm doing, but I'm acting like I do. Well, of course. But the uh, the other side of it is men that would stop, ask if I need help, or I had an older gentleman stop, stare at me for the longest time before he told me that I was working really hard and the woman that he, where he comes from, doesn't work like that. And all they do is cook and feed the babies and i just looked and i was like that's does he know what you do for work mm-hmm. and uh, no he doesn't <laughs> and i just looked and i was like oh really that's all they do really but it's it's insane like that's just like one one example well, and i would imagine that's like an hour long task like that yeah. wasn't even your full day no and it makes you feel really insecure because i i i think i feel like i'm doing it right but it's also really hard because those particular arm muscles, I'm not really like good at. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong. I don't know. But how would I have muscles in my arms to like put a drill in? Like I don't, I don't you, use that. You don't need muscle. You need to let the tool do the work. Let the tool do the work. Just let it do its thing. Trust the tool. I've heard this from you when you come to my house and use my <laughs> dull ass knives, and you're like, "Why are you like let the tool do the, like we're just gonna sharpen this, um, and the <laughs> knife is gonna cut the tomato." You are working too hard here. <laughs> no, but I just yeah, it's it's part of conditioning, and we all are victims of that because I grew up with toy food and toy cooking tools and baby dolls with bottles. I didn't grow up with car shit and like, and that's just, you know, I'm sure, I don't know. It's just, it's Your Barbie didn't have a car? Yeah, she had a lime green slug bug. Oh, ew. What? (laughs) Ew? (laughs) That shit was dope. What are you talking about? I could fit four little Barbies in there (laughs) and it had a trunk for all of her outfits. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Basically, what I'm trying to point out is it's not necessarily all of our fault. We just all don't realize the condition that we've been through. From more of the social upbringing and like it's interesting to reflect on like, oh, here's all this stuff from our childhood. But also there's predominant people in our professional sphere who perpetuate. uh, I'm going to do my best to preserve judgment and I'll be like harmful language. Uh, but pretty yeah. sexist ideas. <laughs> Fair. I would I would agree with that with a lot of people that I look up to. The older I get, the more I see that. Mm-hmm. Um, about a woman's place. Ooh. Specifically share. regarding to the kitchen. And so I'm going to read you this quote from Michael Pollan, who you're familiar with. I love, I grew up, like he was a huge part of why I got into food, honestly, like in terms of the dynamics of the food industry. And yeah, love him. Have his books. Please share his quote. (laughs) I am now so excited. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm familiar with him. I read some of his work. I have not, if I'm completely honest, I haven't made it through a full book. I haven't either. I think it's really hard to, like, at a certain point, he's just, like, saying the same thing over and over. And, I like, you get the idea. I watched him on Oprah a lot. Well, and I, I started collecting some of his books from used bookstores because I was working on my documentary backdrop. <laughs> And I would joke about it, like, I need this for, like, my office someday when I have, like, an office. That's so funny. I I need to, like, show, like, I've been there, read that, been there, read that. But anyway. (laughs) Michael Pollan. (laughs) Back to Michael Pollan, you know. Is one of the prominent um, thinkers and writers about our relationship to food, specifically with um, more of the farm-to-table eating more plants, just thinking about how we as a society value meat versus plant proteins, et cetera, et cetera. Like some of it's very interesting. And also, and I quote, I found a quote from him where he says, far from oppressing them, the work of cooking approached in the proper spirit offered a kind of fulfillment and deserved an intelligent woman's attention. Let's break this down. So in this quote, he's both acknowledged that there are some people that have these feelings about like when you're telling us like we need to go back and cook everything from scratch, you motherfucker. Like, do you understand how much time that takes? We don't have that time. The do cost you of understand living is too much. What kind of a weight that is on the intelligent woman oh. to to make it happen and 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 Michael Pollan's also somebody who's a big advocate for voting with your fork for consumer power he is making it the woman's problem and he can write about the woman's problem but it is at the end of the day it is the intelligent woman's problem and if she knows what's good for her and good for her family she will make it happen what a classic white male. Yeah. I think it's really bullshit because it's basically like if you're if you are an intelligent woman, which I believe I am, I believe you are, I would say you would feel the same. So you're saying because I may eat pizza rolls that I am just basically the devil <laughs> and I am voting with my fork. And yes, that is true, but that's goddamn harsh. <laughs> because it's also says the man who probably lives very comfortably in his career and also i'm sorry all i can think about right now is how many times have you gone through the burger king line probably more than once michael Pollan. yeah that's a great question i would love it i will say that the cookbooks that i have lafed through i don't own them that have the Poland name on them have a forward written by him but then all of the actual recipes are written with female names so he's piggybacking off of the women in his life i i just i think it's really interesting to think about who maintains the kitchen or he literally is a speaker and has all of these opinions and all this research behind him but has never actually stepped foot behind a kitchen i don't know what irritates me it also not surprised because of like what we said earlier, like being a mom and being oh, a... Oh, but if you approach it with the proper spirit, you might achieve <laughs> fulfillment. That's the, have... that's the middle of the quote. The, the, approached with the proper spirit. So 
whatever you do even if it's really shitty just have a good attitude about it you should smile more just keep smiling and everything will be fine or why are you being so negative don't be so negative why are you complaining like negativity festers more negativity okay well you fucking take a whack at it joe um there's just because of the stereotyping of a woman's places in the kitchen and the woman the kitchen is the domain and it's what they control which is everything like you said earlier it is our survival it's how we vote it's our health it's everything do you have an easy bake oven i didn't have an easy bake oven i wanted one so freaking bad but i didn't have one myself my sister got one at one point and yeah i suppose it helps me train for the apocalypse the fact that i can bake a tiny cake by the heat of a light bulb really set me up for success but otherwise it taught me nothing don't forget it's all easy it's all easy it's it's the women's work it's women are delicate women need to be frail we can't ask too much of women physically which is bullshit because the kitchen kitchen work is so fucking hard and so strenuous especially if you're in there all day which most women it's a lot it's a lot of mental planning it takes a lot of like scheduling abilities um planning meat like it's it's not well that's if you're doing it in the like it depends on where you're drawing that line of what scratch cooking is if you're talking about like um 1920s 1930s that's very different versus now and when we were talking about like 1920s 1930s well now guess what we have we have home economics training. Hmm. Thank God for that. It really was teaching women to be better wives. Like that was a lot of the intention behind it was, oh, let's give them practice babies and teach them how to clean the most efficiently. But also as a field of study, home economics was used to teach us about nutrition teach us about chemicals in the home as we were using we were learning more about bacteria and how to keep our home clean we were home economics and that going out into rural communities and like there's two branches where it's like okay here's home economics in the academic sphere where women are taking care of foster babies and then those babies like they're they practice whoa 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 what (laughs) so rewind academia you had little practice homes and there were no men in the house but the young women would go to college in in elite colleges that were in these practice homes and they would take care of babies that got put up for adoption real babies real babies these were real human babies but they would be studying the best in advances on parenting and then practicing these techniques on the babies. And Is then, there a teacher there with you while you're like parenting this infant? I don't know how that works. I didn't look into it. That's so weird. But then people with money who couldn't have children would like really want the babies that were like taken care of in these elite colleges and go and like buy those babies because they had like a great foundation. They're already a trained baby. Trained. They They already have a schedule. Yeah, exactly. It comes with an instructional pamphlet. So so that's 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 a weird branch of it. But also there was 
a lot of people who felt like home economics could provide a lot of liberation to women because it was a way for them to learn and get exposed to academia, get exposed to um, chemistry, get exposed to nutrition ideas. We start learning about calories and brought a lot of science education to women before they were permitted to go to schools and so for a lot of women it created new career trajectories before like women in the workforce were like really Mm -hmm. going to work um it also helped us do things like understand cleanliness in our homes better and also there's a complicated relationship with how home economics as a field of study was also used to be like okay well you're no longer a slave so you should be trained up to serve in this way again another conversation big conversation that um it would be great to invite other people to but um yeah um i just think it's a lot i think it's funny to hear like to go through all of this conversation and then have that moment of you know the magazine the spare rib that you mentioned in the like really pushback of like no we're gonna like reject the kitchen we're rejecting that mindset of women belong there or it's even it's a woman's responsibility because there was also that next movement of like women can do it all and when women were in the workforce but also had a lot of society pressures to be married and to still cook for your husband because you're not a good wife if you're not making a home-cooked meal every night. And your kids aren't fed properly if they don't have a nutritiously filled dinner every single night. Well, you got trained up. You must be really good wife material. I did. I went to freaking college for that. <laughs> and I got that comment by a lot of older men. Exactly that. Oh, you're going to be a great wife one day. Yeah, I think... A lot of people overall, though, after I graduated and also when I was in school were very much men came up to me. I was single at the time. And so they were like, oh, you're going to culinary school. You you can. So that means you can cook me whatever you want. Like that's who it's just weird and kind of a gross stereotype. But um, because I didn't do home economics, I like to make a joke now where I'm like, I literally have a degree in home economics and party planning. (laughs) I literally have a degree in this. I got it. (laughs) Which is not far from the truth. But um, yeah, I never had home economics as a teenager at all. Well, one is about the home and setting someone up to do unpaid work. Right. And one, I mean that's your career that's your job and that was the intention of your program Mm -hmm. and home economics uh kind of originally had that idea of like oh this is to set women up for this but also women had different career tracks and they were like it was their initial are you listening to me are you taking pictures of the cat i'm listening i'm listening it's just so cute (laughs) (laughs) You were supposed to ignore that. I was going to be like, she's got it. I'm listening. Uh, He is pretty cute. (laughs) He's the door. He's ignoring us now as well. He doesn't care at all. Anyway, 
Anyway, home economics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, home economics. Um, but that that piece about like home labor and domestic work versus like creative and paid for work is really interesting. And I think that's really interesting to think about like that idea specifically as it relates to women and one of the most predominant figures that I can think of that holds like that head of household just I don't know is it a baton is it a crown but that 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 what we look up to mm-hmm. as you are head of household running your shit is our first lady our first lady yes and I mean We could go through a list. Um, One first lady that I'm thinking of as it relates to home economics is Eleanor Roosevelt herself. And um, she was a huge advocate for women's um, rights. And she was a very active first lady. And she used her title. I mean, she was really active socially while her husband was the governor before he was president. And... um, part of her advocacy was in home economics because she felt like it would provide women like so much liberation and really provide a lot of not just knowledge but validation in terms of what women were doing like these were technological and knowledge advances that we were having in the home and she she really wanted that knowledge to be in the hands of white women and um yeah, but in her own position as a first lady and that that office itself, that is a whole job with real duties of the party planning, of managing the household, and it is completely unpaid to this day. It's wild. To this day. It's not just like, oh, it was unpaid when she did it. Like it it it, it it's a whole office that has remained completely unpaid and it's just expected what if a a president doesn't have a wife that's a great question um or has like you know an untraditional non-cis marriage maybe one day we'll see it i'd probably vote for him we'll see what happens (laughs) and Uh, i was gonna say the whole everything would shift and guess what if it was a man in that position it'll get paid real quick oh absolutely um in the 80s ronald reagan was quoted in an interview as saying that the government gets a free employee through the first lady because they keep her just as busy as they keep me and he just says it like it's fine like no big deal not like hey this is the thing you all need to be aware of just oh yeah oh yeah just, just another just woman doing her job but but on a higher scale is that it's not an elected position because the man is elected and so right. whatever his choice was in terms of a partner the american people didn't choose that person but eleanor roosevelt is an interesting one in terms of um thinking about food relationships and that head of household aspect of being the first lady i read this book called what she ate and i recommend it it's very interesting um and it's a it's a series of essays that follow i think it's five prominent women in history just documenting through their grocery receipts through their journals through observations just like what it was that they ate during their life and the idea being that you can tell a lot about somebody's culture their socioeconomic status their their values just a lot about a person based on what it is that they eat 
and the one the essay on Eleanor Roosevelt got me like, hit me the hardest and is one that stuck with me because it talked about how um she <laughs> the the food in the White House while she was in charge was so terrible and so bland and she did that with intention to mm-hmm. torture her husband who cheated on her oh, that's so badass and super clever and then like when she would travel on her own she was very interested in different tastes and ideas but then at home food was nasty like what and she ate like, it with a smile like what did like what you want like specific yeah I mean, because my mind is, of course, I have all these ideas of how you can make things really bland, really distasteful, but I I, want to know what, like, I want to get in her head, her psychology. What was she doing to this man that she felt betrayed her, broke that promise that she, you know, you know, trusted him with? And I want to know. I mean, you know, she has plausible deniability because she hired somebody to make the I can't food. just blame it on the chef <laughs> um let's see there were curried eggs on toast mushrooms and oysters on toast broiled kidneys on toast braised kidneys on toast chipped beef on toast what's chipped beef i don't know a, a dish called shrimp wiggle consisted <laughs> of shrimp and canned peas heated in white sauce on toast hmm like, I know the toast fads, like, kind of coming back. Like, I got really, I got a fancy cookbook and, like, there were so many recipes for, like, just put on toast. Just put oh, on toast. very like, much. Like, get out of my face with your Avocado toast recipes. I can make toast. some toast. I can make toast. Avocado toast. Um, ricotta toast is, is really taking a okay, steam forward. Okay, I'm, I just Googled chipped beef because I was really curious. It's a form of pressed salted and dried beef that has been sliced into thin pieces some makers smoke the dried beef for more flavor the modern product consists of small thin flexible leaves of part partially dried beef generally sold compressed together in a jar or flat in a plastic packet that sounds awful Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was that's what comes up in Google. Wow. Wow. But yeah, isn't that interesting? It's hmm. a woman's domain. As a place of her control. In preparing for this episode, we plugged a woman's place into so many different social media platforms. So many. And so much of it related back to the kitchen. And like yes, there's all the like here's a parody of like a woman's place is in the resistance. A woman place is here. Like why are we even fucking talking about this? My place is wherever I want it to be. Yeah. yeah I don't need a place. I can just be. I'm just but like, it makes men more comfortable if they know what my place is so that they can work around me and I'm just like in my little spot. Mhm. Yeah. And the other thing that we would come all across pretty commonly is either it was kitchen oriented or it was sexually oriented but the sexual oriented things were always based off of kitchen like it's like okay i either have to cook or i have to fuck you it's one or the other yeah and when am i supposed to have time to like read my book make my podcast sometimes i want to shower and exfoliate yeah i gotta exfoliate i need to exfoliate (laughs) there were a lot more first ladies that i feel like well you said quit their jobs 
And they all have their thing that they like focus on, right? They get a passion project. They get a passion project. And those I find really interesting because when we were first talking about Eleanor Roosevelt and how she was into the home ec thing, at first I was like, oh my God, that's gross. Like, what the fuck? But then as we like looked more into it, it was actually a really empowering thing for her to do. Well, it's also context. Like, she right. was first lady 1930 something to 1949 i think i'll verify it in the show notes don't worry it's an unpaid position Mm -hmm. and i know that the president gets paid and then when he's not president he gets like a sum of money after his his reign (laughs) his term sorry we're not we're not we're not in the europe worlds I, I probably am an educated lady. Um, do these do these do these women get that a stipend after the presidency? Yeah. If I remember correctly, they get a small stipend afterwards, but not during the presidency. It's like an allowance; like they're given an allowance, and then even. During the presidency, there's like, oh, the president's paid, but then the first couple has certain allowances, like a travel budget, like an entertainment budget, which is the size of my student loan. <laughs> and <laughs> ouch, <laughs> that's reality right there. Um, just for entertainment. Welcome to America. <laughs> um, yeah, they have those different like. So it's like, yeah, she's not paid, but she gets all these perks okay for her job and a staff that gets paid so it's like it's like you're just it's just you better be like it's a loyalty thing it's a loyalty thing yeah she's very domesticated very domesticated um yeah anyway (laughs) when i was trying to get into where do we start writing about a woman's place because we have all these memes we talked about social media where it's popping up like you can pop it into tiktok you can pop it into instagram you can pop it onto whatever and even just like within your own family and your friends like when you say a woman's place there's that inside voice that goes in the kitchen and then you Mm -hmm. have like all these memes and other all these other things that we've kind of inserted but there is like more of this understanding like We've been talking about it as a place that's tied to the home and the kitchen specifically, which is in some cultures a very sacred space is the hearth and the heart of the home. And um, I know that resonates for me personally. And like when I throw parties, everyone mm-hmm. just like always gravitates to the kitchen, right? Always. Like I can have a beautiful living room, little snacks on the table, but we're all just hanging out in the kitchen. Yeah. I feel way more comfortable there. Oh, yeah. Snacks basically can wash my hands whenever i want that's going to be very important in the future it's important now it is um wash your hands people (laughs) get between the fingers (laughs) in preparing for this episode i got really interested in this idea of where where do we start writing about this when do we start writing down this idea of a woman's place and where she belongs you know everything has a home everything in its place right where do we get this idea and you know you can go down one thread that's like oh there's like this more like country like rural idea of like 
she needs to be pregnant and barefoot and in the kitchen like we've we've all heard, <laughs> we've all heard that it's literally a horror movie right there um but the broader idea of a woman's place being in the home i found an interesting article that i'll link in the show notes that kind of goes into more of the history of like okay way back in the day when are we getting to this idea of like oh a woman needs to be in her home and one that really stood out to me was when we moved into the space of like where we find this writing in English this is in 1732 by a person named Thomas Fuller and it's in sounds like a classic white dude bodies of work if you're interested you'll find it in the show notes but (laughs) the uh, if you're interested whatever (laughs) um but the quote that just like really like hit me at my core says a woman is to be from her house three times when she is christianed married and buried and Chris, Christian means being born, correct? You are coming into this That's world. That's what I took it to mean. Like, okay. Like Christianing, like crown, like like a, like the head out like of the vagina. Like you are now God's child. Yep. Um, and then married. You gotta go out to church, get married. And then when you're buried, you go back to church. So this idea is that you do not leave your home except for those three things. Yep. That's wildly unrealistic and incredibly oppressive. Imagine that. Well, but then, but remember, it's the feminist fault that we even think about the idea that it's the the witch inside of me. I need to be burned. (laughs) Oh, God, I have a mind of my own. It's the devil in my brain. (laughs) Here's another one. A woman's place is in the bosom of her family. Her thoughts ought seldom to emerge from it. So just be stupid. Just think about your Just smile and be pretty. A woman's place is in her home and not in her husband's counting house. What's a counting house? Ah, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've I could never... figure it out. Like counting probably has something to do with money. Yeah, I feel like I can't. I feel like I have some assumptions of that, but I don't know a hundred percent. As a tangent, but more Yeah, you're right. An official, an office or a building in which accounts and money of a person or a company were kept. So it's kind of like staying out of like the financials. The home is your business. The business is his business. Mm-hmm. So the kitchen variant was found um, in Hetty Morrison's early feminist tract, My Summer in the Kitchen from 1878. Can you just imagine life in 1878? It's hard for me to wrap my brain around. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) And the quote from this feminist tract. Accepting ourselves at the valuation of such men as these, that woman's place is in the kitchen, or to word it more ambitiously, that woman is the queen of the home, the right I ask for is that we be allowed to reign 
undisputed there. So all they're asking is equality under their own fucking roof. They're just saying, get out of my fucking kitchen. If it's mine, let it be mine. And that's just not been our lived experience. Our lived experience has been, the kitchen is yours, except I have a lot of opinions about it. And like, oh, I don't know about this. And like, where's the meat in this? Why Why would you put your knives in this drawer, not this drawer? Yeah. The food and the hearth of the home overarches into our health, how we vote, how we live, all of these things. And we say, oh, it's the women are in charge of that, but not really. What she's saying, so when it's like a feminist thing, she's saying, get out of my fucking kitchen. Yeah. And that goes with our opinions, how we dress. Like, we're critiqued every time we look around. Like, this girl's too slutty. She's too prude. She's too fat. She's too thin. She's, you know, too ugly, too pretty. Like, it goes on and on. Yeah. It can go on and on. And... I feel like that's kind of the same. It's like, oh, yeah, you can totally do whatever you want, but don't do anything that makes me feel, like, uncomfortable or anything that I wouldn't do myself. It's crazy. Um, Domestication of women is disgusting. What do you mean by that? I guess more in the traditional terms of domestication, like, you're married. Do you feel like you're domesticated? I'm pretty offended by that question. What? I didn't want to offend you. <laughs> no, but it's a it's a good question. It is a very good question. I'm not saying you are. Um, because there is that sassy side of me that's like, no, I'm a fucking feral bitch. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of my life that has been led to be very tame, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to fit into certain jobs. And then I still didn't necessarily succeed in them or fit mm-hmm. into the same idea of what somebody wanted me to be. I would say the term domesticated makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know if I totally know what that means. Right. And that's the thing, like, I feel like today it's more convoluted in terms of domesticated within your marriage is a totally different conversation but where you took it in terms of trying to be the woman that people want you to be to get that job or to be that socialite or to meet that new person like for sure I think I would agree with that on my end too like I bend and mold myself to be what I think people want me to be to get what I want or to succeed in a certain way and it's icky and it doesn't feel good. Um, but sometimes And that's it, a product of being domesticated? I think it, it I think it is. So what is being domesticated? Tell me about that. There's um, three definitions from the Oxford Dictionary. The first one is the process of making a wild animal used to living with or working for a human. Example, domestication of cattle. That rings a lot of bells to me in our prior episode. <laughs> And climate change and the empathy that women have towards animals, typically. Um, Example three was the process of making plants or crops suitable to grow for human use. The example it gives is domestication of rice. And then the third one, and thank you, Oxford, 
for pointing this out before it uh, defines a third one it has in um, parentheses often humorous I'm like it's humorous that you even say that the process of making somebody good at cooking caring for a home etc and of making them enjoy home life the example they put is the prospect of marriage and domestication filled her with horror which I also enjoy that example <laughs> very relatable for me <laughs> but I, I really like that third one because I'll read it again. The process of making somebody good at cooking, caring for a home, etc. But the thing that really stands out to me is the process of making somebody good at cooking and caring for a home, etc. You're not like teaching them to enjoy it. You're like you are manipulating and forcing this person to be good at something. So just like with an animal, you are training that thing to be something that it wasn't naturally meant to be. And I think that's really fucking fascinating and super disgusting. And it makes me hate the word even more. Um, well, it says that too at the end and making them enjoy home life. Yes. Like you have to enjoy it. Like you better smile. Don't complain. But there, there's an innate You're power so lucky. You're so lucky to have so a husband. Much. You're so lucky to have a home. He's so good to you. How could you ever complain? Maybe because you have bigger, better dreams in your life. I don't know. I can think of a million things. It's gross. Drives me, f- drives me crazy. It filled her with horror. <laughs> it filled me with horror. <laughs> it does, though. And I think that's one reason why I'm like, I don't know. I'm not against marriage by any means. But the word wife really grosses me out. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. I very rarely, I'm married, but I very, yeah. very rarely call myself a wife. And anytime my husband mm. is like, here's my wife, I'm, there's a small part of me that's like, it just, I guess it feels like it takes away all the other parts of who I am and it like pinpoints yeah. me to this box of, you're his wife. You're not, you know, a social person, you're not a chef, you're not um, a creative human or, you know, it's you are this thing and you are you belong to this person. And then sometimes I'm emotionally exhausted and it's a lot easier to just explain to somebody like, yep, that's my husband. Yeah, it's my wife, especially mm-hmm. when it's like totally business dealings or extended family. Again, it's putting ourselves it's... in that mold of what people want. Oh, there yeah. are certain scenarios where all straight up lie. I've been with my partner for like eight nine years like I'll straight up I'm like oh like my husband like if I feel like that's gonna like make them look at me in a more positive light but also I don't know that's part of the beauty of the world we live in now is we can kind of make whatever we want into whatever we want and you can legally marry somebody and bind yourself legally to them but you can call it whatever the fuck you want and screw the people that want you to fit into a different box like doesn't matter yeah it's a it's definitely a title And there's a sense of duty that comes with being a wife and there is a weird social like there was a little bit of satisfaction in the tick box in my brain of like oh I'm not like where I want to be in this part of my life or this part of my life but I'm married and so it feels like a Mm -hmm. like I get to mark one of those boxes on the like (coughs) life achievement box. But yeah it is a weird thing and, and family has a very different idea depending on the family i was just like oh like you're a wife like that has all this other stuff that goes with it and i'm like does it i does it 
I know. I don't know. I still hate laundry. Like, I will do <laughs> anything but the laundry. Like, I'll do it, but it's, like, it's an ordeal. And if I, like, actually fold my laundry, that's, like, a whole other. I mean, you've seen my bedroom. It's, it's a, a rarity. It's a whole other thing. It's, yeah. But there's this big distinction between the domestic life and the creative life. And, yeah, I think to close, you should read that Alice Waters quote. Oh, the beloved Alice Waters. What do you, what do you know about her, for those who don't know? Um, well, what I know that I think is the most prominent is she is a pretty well-known chef. Um, she was one of the first well-known chefs that was a woman, for one. Um, still to this day, she, like, if you look up women chef, she's one of the first thing that pops up. Um, she was also one of the first chefs that brought the idea of farm to table to the States and really pushed that in her restaurant that she opened. So she was kind of the founder of bringing farmers and chefs together and creating this really unique, cool restaurant. So if you don't know much about her, if you want to know more, you should look her up because she's a bad ass. But she has this quote that is really awesome and super relevant to this episode. She says, quote, When you see a woman in the kitchen, you think it's a domestic thing. And when you see a man, you think it's a creative thing. That's what we need to change. And I feel like that is so relevant to my life. I think even to your life. It's one of those things that... I've said to you before, Kamea, that once the difference between a woman cooking and a man man cooking is once it's a paid thing, it's now a professional thing, which means it's a man's domain. And that's been a reality in my life. It's in the counting house. It's in the counting house. (laughs) It is. And it just feels very much like you're less respected and... I guess the last thing I'll kind of like talk about a little bit is the amount of times I've had specifically older women throughout my life when they hear about my job, my career choice. One thing they they're so fascinated as like a domesticated housewife, the professional world, like what is that like? You must know all these things that I don't know in a kitchen and and I'll kind of tell a little bit of my job and immediately they kind of catch on like well how many hours do you work that's a question I get a lot and I'll be honest and kind of break it down for them and the first thing that they say is well how does your partner feel like how does your boyfriend feel about that how does your like your man feel and I always just respond well he's super supportive and he knows my career is like super important to me and he's very supportive of that and usually what follows up is that's really great you're really lucky but just remember Remember, you need to balance that. And it's just like, fuck off. I'm like, what do you mean? I need to, like, yes, of course, duh. I I can tell. I can tell more than you can tell. Like, there's weeks where I don't see him. Yeah. Because I'm working so much. And there's for sure arguments we have where he does feel like he's not an important part of my life. But he also knows that this is a dream that I have. And he knows that it's bigger than, like, those moments of feelings so um I'm super lucky because it's 
incredibly common for people in my position to filter through relationships. So I'm pretty lucky with that. But um, yeah, it always goes back to the gender of like my my man is more important and I need to remember that when it's just like not. I, I don't believe that. I feel like it's you can have both. But anyways. That's the dream, right? That's the dream. You got to have your cake and eat it too. So, but yeah. So until part two. Thank you for listening. Your time is a gift and we really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow, share, and rate this podcast. It makes a difference and helps us reach more folks that want to digest their relationship to food. You can connect with me, Rose, on Instagram at Culinary Herbalism. And me, Kamea, at Tasty Salty Real. If you found value in this conversation, send us a DM. We would love to hear from you. Next up, we continue this conversation about a woman's place. Where do women find their place in the professional kitchen? My own inequality.